0: This Father's Day, give Dad the gift that guarantees him a great morning every day. That's Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's Best Pair You'll Ever Wear or its free guarantee. Get 30% off gifts for Dad on select Father's Day styles at TommyJohn.com. Save 30% at TommyJohn.com. See site for details. October 9th, 1968, Game 6 of the World Series in St. Louis, Missouri. The visiting Detroit Tigers were on the brink, down 3-2 against the dominant St. Louis Cardinals. They had to win the next two games if they wanted to take home their franchise's
1: first World Series championship in over 20 years. For the most important game of the year, the Tigers turned to their star pitcher, Denny McLean. He had become a household name over the course of the season, winning 30 games, the first pitcher to do so in over 30 years. He was also a lightning rod for controversy, known for his outspoken and arrogant comments to the press, as well as rumors of gambling problems. McLean winced as he
0: walked up to the mound. After pitching 300 innings that year, his throwing arm was badly injured. McLean and the team doctors attempted to treat it with endless shots of the steroid cortisone. McLean supplemented the shots with amphetamines
1: and alcohol, but it was still agony each time he threw the ball. Despite his 31 wins in the regular season, the World Series tournament had been one to forget for McLean. He'd lost both of his starts and had to take himself out of Game 4 because he couldn't handle the pain in his arm. But in game six, with the championship on the line, McLean would do whatever he could to give his team a chance to win. McLean towed the rubber
0: in front of a lively crowd of nearly 50,000 screaming fans, eager to see their team win. He gritted his teeth and ignored the pain beginning to grow in his
1: shoulder. The first batter stepped into the box. McLean reared back and threw the ball as hard as he could. He would go on to win the game, but sacrifice his entire career in the process.
0: Welcome to Sports Criminals, a ParCast original. Every week, we dive into the dark side of sports history and look at athletes who not only broke the law, but broke the rules and covenants of their sport. We'll also uncover how their actions impacted the history of the sport they played.
1: I'm Tim Johnson. And I'm Carter Roy. You can find episodes of Sports Criminals and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Sports Criminals for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Sports Criminals in the search bar. At
0: ParCast, we're
1: grateful for you,
0: our listeners.
1: You allow us
0: to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast
1: and Twitter at ParCast Network. Today, we're discussing Major League pitcher Denny McClain. He won MVP playing for the Detroit Tigers, but his all-star career disintegrated due to injury, leading him into criminality. This
0: week, we'll explore how McLean became one of the best pitchers in baseball. Next week, we'll cover how his career fell apart and his trouble with the law
1: escalated. Baseball ran in Denny McClain's family. His father, Tom, had been a standout high school player who was offered the opportunity to play minor league baseball for the Chicago Cubs. After his own father's untimely death, however, Tom dropped out to take care of his family. His unfulfilled dreams of becoming a professional baseball player created a bitterness in him for the rest of his life. Throughout McLean's childhood, his father was a terrifying figure. A
0: heavy drinker who was verbally and physically abusive when under the influence, which was nearly every night. He was obsessed with his children accomplishing what he couldn't, specifically becoming a professional baseball player.
1: He drove McLean to another town 10 miles away so he could try out for a youth baseball team a year early. After McLean's real age was discovered, Tom decided to start his own little league. By hook or by crook, he would make his son a baseball player.
0: Playing baseball was the only way that McLean felt like he could have a good relationship with his father. It was the only place he felt safe from the belt and playing
1: well was the only way he could get his father's approval and respect. By the time he was a teenager, McLean specifically focused on pitching. His father continued to take an active role in his development, even mandating that McLean not even experiment with throwing a curveball until he was 18 due to the damage it could cause to his elbow. At 13, he was recruited to pitch for Mount Carmel
0: High School, a local Catholic school with a good baseball team. He was awarded a full scholarship and made the starting roster his freshman year.
1: On May 4, 1959, 15-year-old Denny McLean was pitching for his team when he noticed his father wasn't in the stands like he usually was. When Denny got home after the game, his mother broke the news.
0: His father had suffered a heart attack while driving to the game. He was dead at 36 years old the same age that his own father had died.
1: McLean was stunned. He walked the streets around his house in a daze, unable to process his conflicted emotions. He was upset by his father's death, but also slightly relieved. He no longer had to worry about his father's abusive behavior. McLean was suddenly in control of his own life. By the time he was a senior in high school, McLean's pitching
0: had attracted notice by college coaches and professional scouts. He'd compiled a remarkable 38-7 and record as a starter over his high school career, winning
1: the city championship three times. Notre Dame offered him a scholarship that would make him both their first-ever scholarship baseball player and the first member of his family to attend college. It was tempting But what was even more enticing than college was the money that professional baseball teams were offering. McLean
0: fielded offers from the New York Yankees, Philadelphia Phillies, and his hometown
1: Chicago White
0: Sox. Although he grew up a Yankee fan, McLean decided to follow the money and take the biggest offer, $17,000, about $150,000
1: today, to pitch for the Chicago White Sox. In June 1962, 18-year-old Denny McLean left Chicago for Kentucky to get his first taste of professional baseball with the Harlan Smokies, the White Sox's rookie league affiliate. His experience in the minor leagues was not initially
0: positive. He experienced severe culture shock moving from Chicago to a small coal mining town in Kentucky. His accommodations were cramped and dirty, the accents difficult to understand, and the locals were not particularly friendly to the out-of-towners. McLean worried that if he made the wrong move, he wouldn't leave Harlan
1: alive. McLean quickly proved, however, that he could pitch at a professional level despite the difficult surroundings and personal adversity. On June 28, 1962, McLean made his minor league debut and pitched a 16-strikeout no-hitter. That night, riding high
0: off his performance and assuming that he'd be immediately promoted to the big leagues, McLean decided to drive back home. He convinced a teammate to tag along, and
1: the two of them drove the 15 hours back to Chicago. When he arrived at home, there was a message waiting for him from the White Sox minor league director. Get back to Harlan immediately, or he'd never pitch another game again.
0: McLean and his teammate rushed back to Kentucky. When they did, the minor league director gave McLean a harsh warning. Do something like that again, and he'd be cut from the team. McLean's teammate, on the other hand, wasn't given a second chance. He was
1: immediately cut. McLean felt bad that he might have ended his teammate's career. If he wasn't as good of a pitcher, he would have been cut too. But the incident taught him a lesson. As long as he continued to perform, his off-the-field antics didn't matter. His second game, he struck out another
0: 16 batters. Less than 24 hours later, he was promoted to the next level of the minor leagues and sent to play for a team in rural
1: Iowa. McLean continued pushing the rules, seeing what he could get away with. Despite his coach's warning that he needed to stay in town, McLean drove the three hours back to Chicago one night to see his girlfriend. The coach fined McLean $100, a little less than $900 in today's money.
0: It was a weak punishment that didn't affect him on the field, so McLean was undeterred. He did it again a few weeks later. The coach fined him $200. A few weeks after that, he took another nose-thumbing trip. This time, the coach fined him $500, an entire month's salary. After that, McLean decided to keep his head down.
1: On the field, McLean continued to develop. His strikeout numbers were impressive, but he was hitting a wall with only one pitch in his arsenal, a fastball. Even after his father's death, he had heeded his warning not to throw curveballs until he was old enough.
0: So now, at 18 years old, McLean tried to master the new pitch. But he had issues throwing the curveball for strikes and struggled with more advanced batters. Those hitters knew how to ignore the wild curveballs and wait for the
1: fastball strikes, which they hit hard. After the season, McLean went to Sarasota, Florida to play in an instructional league and work on his curveball.
0: In early 1963, McLean attended spring training and knew he was fighting for a job. The rules of the league at the time stipulated that players who received a large signing bonus, like McLean, had to be on the team's Major League 40-man roster after a year, if they weren't, the players were placed on waivers and could be claimed by
1: another team. The extra training paid off as McLean pitched well through the spring. Unfortunately, there was only one roster spot available, and it came down to McLean and one other pitcher. The White Sox manager decided that the two would face off head-to-head in an intra-squad game at the end of spring training to decide who would stay and who would go. McLean had no reason to think he would
0: lose. He still believed that his raw talent would get him past any challenge. On top of that, he was a Chicago native and a year younger than the other pitcher. He pitched well in the game, striking out 10, and felt good about his chances. But after the game, McLean was called into the manager's office. The White Sox had decided to go with the other pitcher. McLean was placed on waivers.
1: McLean was devastated. He was especially discouraged when the coaches told him that they picked the other pitcher because of his ability to throw a breaking ball, which McLean had struggled to learn. With his confidence
0: shattered, McLean considered quitting altogether. His initial bonus money was long gone, and after playing minor league baseball, he didn't have the option of going
1: back and taking Notre Dame's scholarship. McLean hadn't even turned 19, but it felt like his career in baseball was over.
0: When we come back, McLean continues his journey towards the major leagues. Now back to the story.
1: In the spring of 1963, 19-year-old Denny McLean was cut from the White Sox after failing to develop an effective curveball. Worried that he may never be good enough to become a major league caliber player, McLean thought about doing what his father had done leaving baseball, returning home, and getting a job at a steel mill. But his
0: despair didn't last long. The same day that the White Sox placed McLean on waivers, he received word that the Detroit Tigers had paid $8,000 to pick up his contract. A few hours later, the chief Tigers scout arrived to pick McLean up and drive him two hours away to their spring training facility in Lakeland,
1: Florida. McLean was eventually assigned to the double-A team in Minnesota, one step closer to the major leagues. He continued to struggle with his curveball, but his fastball remained good enough to get him through most outings. Relying on a single pitch,
0: McLean won 18 games in the 1963 season, earning a call-up to the major leagues in September. McLean was surprised. He'd been disappointed in his own performances later in the year. But he was promising enough that the struggling Tigers, who were 25 games behind first place, were willing to give him
1: a shot. On September 21, 1963, in the second game of their homestand, 19-year-old Denny McLean made his major league debut. Fittingly, it was against the Chicago White Sox.
0: Riddled with nerves, McLean walked the first batter he faced on four pitches. On the very next batter, however, McLean caught the runner taking too big a lead and picked him off. The pickoff settled him down, and McLean struck out the next two batters to end the inning.
1: Ultimately, McLean went the distance, throwing a complete game and allowing only one run while striking out eight. In the bottom of the fifth inning, he also helped his own cause by hitting a home run in his second major league at bat. The Tigers won 4 3, and McLean had his first victory. The next two starts of his Tigers career did not go nearly as
0: well. He was knocked around by the Senators in his second game and was pulled after three innings. In his next start, he again pitched a complete game, but also walked seven batters and gave up 10 hits. The same problem that had hounded him through the minors, his inability to command his curveball were still present. Despite his struggles, McLean felt surprisingly optimistic and hopeful. He had made it to the major leagues, fulfilling his late father's ambition, and he felt confident he could prove that he
1: belonged. To cap off the eventful year, McLean and his fiance, Sharon Boudreau, the daughter of Chicago baseball legend Lou Boudreau, got married. There was nowhere to go but up. But his first start in the 1964 season
0: was a disaster. After breezing through the first inning, he gave up a leadoff home run in the second, By the third, he completely fell apart. McLean gave up a leadoff double before walking the bases loaded. He got two outs and nearly escaped the jam, but then gave up a run scoring single. The manager took him out of the game with two outs in the third. Adding insult to injury, McLean developed a lesion on his throwing shoulder that significantly hampered his pitching ability. He fought through the pain and continued pitching.
1: Even as he struggled to ignore the brutal pain in his shoulder, McLean kept improving as a pitcher. While his curveball was still a work in progress, McLean started learning how to throw a change-up.
0: He felt good. Despite his injury, he still managed to win 10 games with a respectable earned run average just over four. At just 20 years old, he was an established member of the Tigers' rotation.
1: That offseason, the Tigers sent McLean to Puerto Rico to play winter ball. It was both an opportunity to play against major league greats like Roberto Clemente and Orlando Cepeda, and an opportunity to misbehave. Gambling was legal in Puerto Rico,
0: and McLean spent his nights at the local casino with his teammates. When his coach found out about his gambling, he fined him $100 as a warning to stay out of trouble.
1: Once again, instead of taking the warning to heart, McLean tried to see how much he could get away with. He just couldn't help himself. So he and another teammate decided to run their own casino in their apartment building. In secret, he gambled to his heart's content. On the field in Puerto Rico, McLean's pitching
0: arsenal came together as he finally managed to get his curveball working. When used in tandem with his already dominant fastball and changeup, McLean was nearly
1: unhittable. Despite his confidence, the 1965 season started unspectacularly. While he pitched well, he didn't record his first win until late May, and his spot in the rotation was looking precarious. On
0: June 15th, McLean entered a game after the Tigers' starter failed to get out of the first inning. With one out and two men on base, McLean struck out the next batter on three
1: pitches. He then struck out the next batter on four to end the first. The next inning was more of the same. McLean faced three batters and struck each of them out. In the third, McLean faced Carl Yastrzemski, the Red Sox star left fielder, and struck him out too. Finally, after seven strikeouts in a row, a hitter finally made contact, grounding out and the inning. McLean would later
0: find out that he'd broken a major league record for most consecutive strikeouts by a relief pitcher. And he'd done it by throwing nothing but fastballs.
1: From there, McLean's season picked up steam. He won his next five games throwing complete game shutouts in two of them. His earned run average dropped to three during that span, transforming him from a back-of-the-rotation starter to one of the team's aces.
0: But it wasn't all smooth sailing. He had another injury scare in August when he was diagnosed with kidney stones. Luckily, McLean recovered quickly and was back on the mound after missing just 17 games.
1: The Tigers finished the season fourth in the American League, but fans and players alike were optimistic for the future, due in major part to their breakout star and 20-game winner, Denny McLean. The Tigers' upwards trajectory
0: continued in 1966. Behind a strong pitching staff anchored by McLean. the team finished third in the American League. 22-year-old McLean won 20 games and was selected to his first All-Star game. Still, there were signs of problems. McLean continued pitching through minor injuries, becoming even more reliant on cortisone to control the pain in his arm, receiving four shots throughout the year. When the next season began in the spring of 1967, McLean's sore arm was becoming a
1: major problem. McLean ignored his arm issues by throwing himself into life as a high-profile athlete. He signed endorsement deals with Pepsi and the Hammond Organ Company, which brought him far more money than his actual baseball contract.
0: With that extra money, however, came the opportunity to game it all away. His love of gambling had only grown since his days in Puerto Rico. He became heavily involved with betting on basketball and football and was so captivated by it that he decided to get into the business himself. He formed a partnership with a Pepsi executive and the owner
1: of a local club and started his own bookie operation. This was, of course, against the rules of baseball, But McLean, still riding high from his recent successes, wasn't concerned about being discovered, and even did some business from inside the Tigers' spring training facility.
0: His carelessness was seemingly justified. McLean believed that the Tigers would never suspend their star pitcher. And he was right. When the Tigers' general manager found out about his betting business, he
1: told him to keep his betting discreet and left it at that. Once again, McLean had learned that as long as he performed well on the field, he could get away with anything. McLean successfully
0: kept the bookmaking
1: secret from his team,
0: but the betting operation quickly went south anyway. By the middle of the summer, McLean had lost $15,000, more than $100,000 in today's money, and realized that his partners were ripping him off. In early August, he told them that he was
1: out. His bookie career was done. A few days later, a better won $46,000 through McLean's partners, and they demanded that he pay his share of the debt. McLean refused, again telling them that he was no longer part of the bookie
0: operation. On a day off, McLean met his former partners at the bar they owned and tried to argue that he didn't owe them anything. They quickly resorted to threats. One of the bookies grabbed a fork and stabbed it into McLean's table, inches away from his fingers. Next time, he said, He wouldn't miss so the pitcher agreed to pay
1: the gambling issues just compounded the problems mclean was having physically his shoulder was in near constant pain and now his back was acting up as well he also had an ankle flare-up still he kept pitching well
0: nearly replicating his breakout 1966 season by mid-august the tigers were only a few games behind first place in the american league With a good final month, they could propel themselves into the World Series.
1: After this, Denny McLean and the Tigers make a run for the pennant. Now back to the story.
0: In 1967, 23-year-old star pitcher Denny McLean was the ace of a Detroit Tigers team that was making an improbable run at the American League pennant. As the team entered its final month of the season, McLean felt immense pressure to perform and get the Tigers to their first World Series in over 20 years. McLean's arm and back continued to hurt, and his pitching performances suffered as the season went on. In September, with the Tigers counting on him, McLean delivered four straight poor performances – Despite his injuries and inconsistencies, McClain was tapped to start a key game against the Red Sox, with the Tigers clinging on to a half-game lead in the standings. He failed yet again, allowing three runs in three innings before being
1: taken out by the manager. The entire season came down to the final day, a doubleheader against the California Angels. The Tigers had to win both games to move into a tie for first place and a chance at the World Series. The
0: Tigers won the first game 6-4. For the next must-win game, the Tigers turned to their ace, 23-year-old Denny McLean. Coming off of his streak of bad starts, McLean was determined to redeem himself. With one more victory,
1: he could pitch his team into first place. He just couldn't do it. His ankle injury proved too much, and he had to leave the game in the third inning. The Tigers ended up losing the game eight to five and missed the pennant by just one game. McLean finished the season with 17 wins. For many
0: fans and sports writers, Danny McLean was to blame for the Tigers falling short. His failures in September, tied together with his strange injuries, gave him a bad reputation. There were even rumors that the Tigers would trade McLean, but a
1: deal never materialized. The fans loudly booed McLean as 1968 spring training began. The disrespect was mutual. In an interview with a sports writer, McLean called the Detroit fans the worst in the league. The booing only got angrier. But McLean
0: ignored it. He had one goal going into the 1968 season, win 20 games again. The year started well. He was healthy and effective, winning eight of his first 11 starts through April and May. The team overall was also doing well, and by midsummer, the Tigers had a commanding eight-game lead in the American League.
1: McLean won 13 of his 16 starts in June and July. He surpassed his own season goals when he crossed the vaunted 20-win mark with a complete game shutout over Baltimore on July 27th, making him the fastest pitcher to 20 wins since 1912. Winning 20 games is considered a
0: major accomplishment for a baseball pitcher. Winning 30 games is nearly unheard of. In the first 100 years of professional baseball, only four pitchers had ever won 30 games, and none had done it since Dizzy Dean in 1934.
1: By September, the Tigers had a commanding lead in the American League and were closing in on a World Series appearance. Danny McLean was on the precipice of history, and when teammates or reporters asked about it, he expressed nothing but confidence that he'd reach 30 wins. Despite his public confidence, however, he knew that his arm might not stay healthy enough.
0: McLean was physically exhausted. He'd pitched over 250 innings, including 22 complete games, and was relying on constant cortisone shots to remain strong enough to pitch.
1: Modern pitching conditioning didn't exist in 1968 coaches often didn't keep track of pitch counts and allowed McLean to throw upwards of 200 times in a single game while modern pitchers are kept to 100 or fewer. In 1968, Denny McLean threw 22 complete games. In 2019, the pitchers from all 30 teams in Major League Baseball threw a combined 43 complete games. The pain after each start was brutal and it had spread from his
0: arm to his neck. His doctor diagnosed him with an overdeveloped trapezius muscle. He actually had a torn rotator cuff, an injury that sometimes necessitates surgery today. But McLean never considered missing a start. Instead, he juiced his arm with steroids, drowned his pain in aspirin and alcohol, and pitched as much as he could.
1: As his win total climbed into the high 20s, McLean didn't let the pain distract him. He was full of confidence, bravado, and cortisone. The media was paying close attention to him, which he loved. He particularly enjoyed boasting to magazine writers, declaring himself the best pitcher in the game.
0: On September 10th, he won his 29th game of the season against the California Angels. It was yet another complete game.
1: He'd now pitched over 300 innings that season. On September 14, 1968, the eyes of the baseball world were on Tigers Stadium in Detroit, where McLean was going for win number 30. Dizzy Dean, the only living 30-game winner, was in attendance as McLean faced off against Reggie Jackson and the Oakland Athletics.
0: The game didn't start well. In the top of the fourth inning, McLean took a chance by throwing a curveball, still his weakest pitch. Reggie Jackson shot the ball into the seats
1: to give the A's the lead. McLean pitched his usual nine innings, but left the game with his team trailing in the bottom of the ninth. They'd need to score two runs to come back and win McLean's 30th game. He'd done all he could.
0: Now, McLean could only watch from the dugout as the Tigers' offense went to work. Al Kaline led off with a walk, which was followed by a single that put men on first and third with no outs. A throwing error by the ace first baseman brought Kaline in to score the tying run and put a runner on third base. With two strikes, Tiger's left fielder Willie Horton hit a line drive to bring in the runner and win the game.
1: Tiger Stadium exploded with joy. Al Kaline grabbed McLean and carried him onto the field to celebrate as reporters and cameramen swarmed the field. McLean's teammates put him on their shoulders as the crowd of 33,000 gave him a standing ovation. The same fans who booed him after he'd called them the worst in the league were now saluting him as a hero. Three days later, the Tigers clinched the American League pennant, punching their
0: ticket to the 1968 World Series. McLean finished the season with 31 wins and an ERA under two, winning the American League Cy Young Award unanimously. The
1: 1968 World Series began on October 2, 1968, with the Tigers facing the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals were heavily favored, boasting one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball history, Bob Gibson, whose minuscule 1.12 earned run average set a new Major League record. The Tigers
0: badly needed their own star pitcher to go toe-to-toe with Gibson. McLean was up to the challenge, although his arm, after throwing over 300 innings in the regular season, wasn't.
1: McLean had a cortisone shot before the first game of the series, but by the third inning, he was in agonizing pain. He only lasted five innings, giving up three runs in the process. Meanwhile, Bob Gibson completely shut down the Tigers' offense, and the Cardinals won the first game 4 to nothing.
0: The Tigers responded with a blowout in Game 2, winning 8-1. The series then shifted to Detroit, where the Cardinals won
1: Game 3. Well, this made Game 4 a must-win for the Tigers, and McLean was on the mound in the 65-year history of the World Series, only two teams had ever come back from a 3-1 deficit to win the championship.
0: McClain tried once again to fight through the pain, and once again came up short. He gave up four runs in three innings and had to tell the coach to take him out. His arm just couldn't take it. Bob Gibson pitched another gem, and the Tigers lost game four 10-1.
1: After the game, McLean doubled down on his cortisone shots. He knew that his team needed him to perform if they had any chance of winning the series, and he was willing to do whatever it took. The Tigers managed to win
0: the next game 5-3, sending the series back to St. Louis. McLean was tapped to start Game 6 on only
1: two days rest. If McLean could find a way to win Game 6, he'd force a winner-take-all Game 7. It was the most important game he'd ever started so he left every piece of himself on the mound sacrificing his arm in the process mclean pitched a complete game
0: giving up only one run as the tigers routed the cardinals 13 to 1. as mclean left the field he could feel his shoulder throbbing in pain but he also felt the best he ever had on a baseball diamond he had put his team
1: within one game of winning the World Series. But to win the series, the Tigers would need to beat Bob Gibson. In game seven, McLean watched anxiously from the dugout. The game remained scoreless through the first six innings before the Tigers broke through, scoring three against Gibson in the seventh. In the bottom of the ninth, with two outs, Cardinals catcher Tim McCarver
0: popped up a foul ball to end the game. The Tigers and Denny McLean
1: were world champions. At only 24 years old, Denny McLean had made it to the pinnacle of his sport. He hadn't just accomplished his father's dream of being a professional baseball player, he'd put together one of the most successful seasons ever for a pitcher.
0: After the season ended, the accolades came streaming in. McLean easily won the Cy Young Award, but also won the American League MVP Award, the first
1: pitcher to win in nearly 20 years. But he had paid a price to do it. The amount of pitches he'd thrown took a toll on his arm that would, within a few years, end his career. And without the grounding force of baseball,
0: the darker aspects of Denny McLean's life would completely take over.
1: Thanks again for listening to Sports Criminals. We'll be back next week with part two of Denny McLean's story. We'll hear how his career fell apart after 1968 and why he descended deeper into the world of crime.
0: In addition to the many sources we used, we found the book I Told You I Wasn't Perfect by Denny McLean and Eli Zaret to be extremely helpful to
1: our research. You can find all episodes of Sports Criminals and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Sports Criminals for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker.
0: To stream Sports Criminals on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Sports Criminals in the search bar.
1: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. Sports Criminals was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Dick Schroeder with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Travis Clark, and Joel Stein. This episode of Sports Criminals was written by Ryan Lee with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon and stars Tim Johnson and Carter Roy.